Church, glad to be with you this morning. As we get started, would you join me in prayer? Our Father, our God, the one who cares for us and loves us, the one who gives himself for us. God, we invite your presence into this space, even as we recognize that you are already here among us. We pray that our hearts would be open to you, that we would recognize you here with us. God, we pray that our service today, our worship today, would be meaningful, would be sincere and authentic. God, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for his life and his example. And I pray that we will learn to be more like him today. It's in Christ we pray. Well, we are continuing our series uh, this uh, season of Lit, uh, which uh, is a Latin word which means spring. Uh, so this is our springtime series, and so we are continuing uh, our journey through this time as we prepare for Easter. And that's really what Lit is all about, is preparing ourselves for the announcement of the resurrection of Jesus. So over the past couple of weeks, we've spent some time reflecting on practices that Christians for hundreds of years have done together. Uh, practices of fasting and Lit. Uh, uh, fasting and repentance. And uh, we, we talked about fasting and connected that with Jesus' fast in the wilderness. That when he fasted for those 40 days, that that's what we're participating in, is the fast that Jesus did himself. And repenting, changing our hearts and our lives. Uh, when Jesus, his ministry begins, John the Baptist, his cousin, is preaching and telling the people, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Change your hearts and your minds. And that's what we're doing during the seasons. We're preparing for Easter. We want to do that by living a resurrected life today, right now. And so we've begun talking about those practices, and then uh, the, the last two weeks we've talked about how we can do those things. And two weeks ago we talked about there being an urgency to do this, that we need to do this right now, because people are, are waiting to see Jesus. People are waiting to see Christ in us, Christ through us. And so we talked about how we need to do that urgently. But then last week we talked about how when we do this, when we live as Christ did, we receive a gift but that gift is totally undeserved. The gift of grace is, is not something that we can ever deserve, but something that God gives to us freely. This resurrected life that, that Christ is inviting us to is offered to us, not because of our own merits, but because of who Jesus is. Now today and next week, for these two weeks, I'd like to turn our attention towards the cross. As we begin to prepare for the resurrection, we have to first realize that Jesus will sacrifice his life, that he will give himself on the cross for our sake. And so we are nearing that time when Jesus will go to the cross. And so for the next two weeks, we're going to spend some time reflecting on stories from the Gospels of Jesus in this final week of his life. And so this week, we're going to reflect on a story that comes six days before the Passover meal, six days before Jesus is with his disciples and telling them what they can expect to come. Six days before that last meal, the meal that we just celebrated together, the Lord's Supper, six days before that, Jesus finds himself at another meal, another dinner. And what we encounter when we see Jesus in that moment is quite spectacular. So if you have a Bible this morning, feel free to turn over to John chapter 12. We've been uh, in, in the Gospel of Luke, but today I want to turn our attention to John's Gospel. Because in John chapter 12, we see this story of Jesus at dinner. A dinner with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, Lazarus who he has just raised from the dead. Uh, and, and Jesus is going to, uh, first of all, have something spectacular happen to him, but then use that, uh, that image that we're going to read together. Use that image to tell people what this is all about, what is coming. 
And so uh, John chapter 12 uh, in your Bibles, if you uh, uh, don't have a Bible this morning but want to turn to it in the Pew Bible in front of you, it's found on page 1670, and you can turn over there and follow us as we read these first eight verses from John chapter 12. It says, six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, home of Lazarus, whom Jesus had just raised from the dead. Now Lazarus and his sisters hosted a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who joined him at the table. Then Mary took an extraordinary amount, almost three quarters of a pound, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it. And then she wiped his feet dry with her hair. The house was filled with the aroma of the perfume. Now Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray complained. For this perfume was worth a year's wages. Why was it not sold and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. For he carried the money bag and would take what was in it. And Jesus said, leave her alone. This perfume was to be used in preparation for my burial. And this is how she's used it. For you will always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me. This story is, is quite fascinating to me, and there's at least three things that I want to uh, share with you this morning. Three uh, ways that we can understand the story, three ways we can talk about the story. Undoubtedly, there are more that we can talk about, but I want to focus in on three components of this story. Uh, and I think that they'll be quite obvious to you once I mention them. The first is that Jesus seems to be telling us something about uh, money, something about wealth, something about poverty. Jesus has this commentary where he's going to tell us uh, what we should do or what we shouldn't do with money. And we see that play out throughout the course of these eight verses. But not only does Jesus talk about money, we also have a tension at work. A tension particularly between Judas and Mary. Mary and Judas have very different ways of looking at the world, very different ways of approaching this topic. And so the first topic of money and wealth and poverty leads us into the second, this tension that's at work between these two characters in the story, Mary and Judas. Now, after this, Jesus pronounces, he says, leave Mary alone, and he begins to tell them what he is going to do, what is going to take place over the course of this next week in his life. And he uses this event, Mary anointing his feet with perfume, and he begins to say, this was necessary for my burial. He anticipates what is going to happen to him in just a week's time. And so he says that this uh, event that has taken place, this anointing, is a preparation for his burial. He understands where he's going. He understands what is going to happen to him, and so he announces, he, uh, he says that what Mary has done prophetically anoints him, prophetically prepares him for that event that will take place in just a week's time. Okay, so let's talk about this idea of money and poverty, of wealth and poverty. There's an interplay, an interchange at work in this text. Uh, right from the very beginning, uh, in our English Bibles, we don't, we don't see it because uh, we don't know what Bethany means. Uh, the, the little town of Bethany uh, is a Hebrew word that simply means house of the poor. So right from the very beginning, we understand that there is something at work. Jesus goes to this city, this town, where the poor are housed. Where it's, it's a city named after those who don't have anything. And here, Mary, who has three quarters of a pound of expensive perfume, worth a year's wages, is going to give everything to Jesus. And so right from, the, right from the beginning, from the very first verse, we find that there is, uh, there's two ways of approaching this story. There's a, a, an approach of abundance, an approach that Mary takes, that even though she only has this little bit, she's going to give it all. She's going to give it all to Jesus. And then, of course, you have Judas on the other end of the spectrum, and Judas says, 
We could have done so many things. We could have done so, so many things practically. We could have done so many things with that money. Now, this morning, I'm not going to go into any kind of uh, stories about politics that happen in churches today about how to spend money. You can imagine all of those stories for yourself. But in this story, what Jesus draws our attention to is that this use of this expensive perfume is important and it matters. And Jesus says that what Mary has done is acceptable. It's beautiful. In fact, John tells us as he's writing this story that what she does when she pours this perfume on Jesus' feet, the aroma fills the house. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being seated at that dinner, being present when this takes place, and all of a sudden the whole house is filled with the smell of perfume? It would be intoxicating. Likely people would, would have been a little bit disgusted by it. It would have been overwhelming. Mary's actions in Judah's eyes, are wasteful. We could have done something much better with this money. But to Jesus, what Mary does is beautiful, meaningful, important. Now, of course, this commentary on wealth and poverty, on how to use money, on how to approach uh, money when we talk about who Jesus is and what Jesus desires for his people, uh, of course, that's a difficult topic for, for a lot of people to talk about. And of course, it's a difficult topic in this story, too, because it leads to this tension between these two characters of Mary and Judas. There's tension that takes place even between the family, because we've read recently, uh, John Mark in his sermon series in the month of February, talked about a story where Mary is seated, seated at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teachings, and Martha is busying herself around the house, running around trying to prepare the meal, and Martha asks Jesus, Jesus, will you tell Mary to come and help me? But Jesus says what Mary has decided to do is more beautiful. That she is sitting at my feet, listening to my teachings. She is a disciple. She is following what I'm teaching. And so in this story, even though it's a different story, we see that same tension at work because Martha is preparing the meal. And yet Mary is the one who comes and anoints Jesus' feet. And of course, Judas is looking on and he sees this take place and Judas does not approve. John is not shy about telling us why Judas doesn't approve. Uh, because Judas is a thief. Uh, John does not mix his words. Uh, he gets straight to the point. He says, Judas doesn't approve of this because Judas wishes he could have had some of that money. He wants it for himself. But what Mary has done is to anoint the feet of Jesus. To take the perfume to anoint his feet. To prepare him for his burial. In fact, Mary does what Jesus is going to do in the next chapter. Before Jesus can even get to it, Mary does it first. Mary anoints his feet. He, she washes his feet with his in the very next chapter in John's Gospel, Jesus, at the last meal, is going to take his disciples aside, and he's going to wash their feet from them. Mary beats Jesus to the punch. She learns, she understands, she's listened to the teachings of Jesus, and she understands that this is what it means to follow Jesus, before Jesus even teaches on this. That she's going to do what Jesus will do for his disciples, and what Jesus tells his disciples to then turn and do for others. She anoints his feet, she washes she prepares him for what's to come. We see this interplay between Mary and Judas. And Jesus, and Jesus, as he watches this, he begins to teach. He begins to tell them prophetically why this matters, why it's important, what's coming next. Because Jesus understands this action even as Mary does it, certainly as Judas does it. But Mary anoints Jesus' feet, and Jesus says, she is preparing me for my burial. 
She's preparing me for my death. She's encouraging me on my path. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus resolutely sets out for Jerusalem. He knows what to expect there. A couple weeks ago, we read the passage where Jesus mourns for Jerusalem. He weeps over it because he knows that in Jerusalem is the place where the people kill the prophets. It's the place where they kill people like Jesus. And that's where he's headed. He's headed to the cross. He's heading to that moment where he will sacrifice his life. Where he will give completely of himself. Where he will share God's hospitality with the world. God's openness with us. I really like the way that one commentator writes about this passage. In fact, she's a professor just down the street at SMU, uh, Jamie Clark Souls. And she says this. She says, Biblical hospitality tends towards extravagance and abundance. The point is emphasized as costly. It's pure. It's so abundant that the entire room is redolent of it. It costs financially and it costs personally. Radical acts of hospitality will make you vulnerable to attack by the private folks. But God's hospitality is no more practical than God's grace. Which is to say that it's infinite. It knows no limit. God's grace, God's hospitality, God's openness, His invitation to us has no has no end. And what Mary does in this story is she shares that with Christ. As Jesus goes to the cross, she understands his teaching. She has sat at his feet. She knows what Jesus is about to do, even if she doesn't fully understand it. And in that moment, she gives everything she has. She's from a little town called Bethany, the house of the poor. And she has this expensive perfume and she pours it all out on Jesus' feet. She gives it all away. Even though it could have been used for other uses. It could have found more practical uses. She decides that this is what it means to follow Jesus. To give everything I've got. Even as Jesus is about to give everything he's got for our sake. Over the past couple of weeks, I've been inviting several of our members to come and share uh, a little bit of their testimony, a little bit of their story uh, as I interview And today I want to do that again. I want to invite Royce to go ahead and begin making his way down uh, to the front. Royce is one of our elders here. And for the past couple of years, Royce has been making a transition in his life. Uh, his health has deteriorated in some ways, and in other ways, it's still just as strong as it ever has been. But I want Royce to share a little bit of his story. And I hope that these interviews, that these testimonies have been helpful and beneficial to you. I hope that they've allowed you to see in practical ways how we can grasp living this resurrected life, how we can give entirely of ourselves. Because Jesus gave entirely of himself. How we can follow his example and follow his lead. So here in just a minute, I'm going to invite Royce uh, to share some of his story. Uh, and as I do that, I want to uh, go ahead and mention that uh, we, Royce and I did some pre-work on this. And we recorded this interview on Friday. And uh, so today we're going to do it live. But if you want to hear it again, if you want to reflect on it, if you want to think about it some more, if you want to hear it again, you can go to our website uh, and it will be posted there. Uh, we're also going to post it on our Facebook page, and so you'll be able to find the link uh, to listen to it again. So you'll have an opportunity to reflect even further on this interview uh, throughout the week if you want to return back to it. So, boys, as we uh, think about this, as we get started, I want to uh, start just by asking, you know a lot of the folks in the room here today, uh, but maybe some of them don't know you. Uh, and so I want you to have a chance to just tell us who you are, uh, tell us about your wife and fan, tell us what we need to know about Boys Three. Good morning, Lance. I got to as soon as I could. I've been here a long time. My first grade teacher was Mary Ann Jack. 
fifth grade teacher for the Health and Health and Curtis in high school, so I got a little silly meal with my Robbins and my kids to charge me in the car because I had homework. We think my wife was just coming out alive. I was one year ahead of our school, so we never class got to the end of it. We started dating in junior year in high school, they all through high school and college. I married in 
and I said, so whatever, but to leave my son. So I believe he didn't give me the disease, I believe he gave me some things to help cope with the disease. Yeah, uh, as you turn the page there, Royce, uh, I want to emphasize that point, uh, that God did not give him this disease to make a point. Uh, he didn't do it to, to cause Royce to become a stronger person. And yet, through that, there have been things that Royce has been blessed with that have helped him, even through these, that are gifts from God. So, Royce, tell us about these gifts from God. Well, the first blessing is faith and offering adoration to him. We are his children, he knows us, and what's his relation with us. I go through my thoughts and concerns. There are times when I allow me to reset and focus on the board. There's nothing more important than that, that God loves us, and he offers him true salvation. The second blessing is the height of awareness of what's going on, the appreciation of the blessings you have. There are days when I like some work, and I appreciate today that you work like today, so I'll be here. Um, I appreciate my brother, Tommy, in the last game, to see his third play last game, Tuesday night. I appreciate taking the golf courses and all around. I appreciate the countless many little things that occur each day. Thank you. 
and that we will find a way in our life to sacrifice for somebody else, no matter how big or something. As we prepare to worship, our elders are going to gather around the sides of the room, and they would love to spend some time in prayer with you. They might even come and seek you out and pray with you where you're seated and where you're standing. We encourage you to spend that time Whether there's something difficult going on in your life or not, spend some time in prayer. As we do that, I'll be down front and I'll be ready to receive you if you want to talk about baptism, about living this resurrected life, joining with Christ. As we do that, we're going to continue our worship, so would you please stand?